So is Indonesia replacing Saudi Arabia as the hotbed of Islamist extremism? Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada, listening to Quick Hits, short podcasts about national security and public safety. We've known for a very, very long time that beginning in the 1970s into the 80s and forward that Saudi Arabia, of course, the self-styled founder of Islam, the seat of of the Muslim faith, had been exporting its very conservative brand of Islam called Wahhabism, dates from the middle of the 18th century, to schools and institutions around the world, based in part on the fact that Saudi Arabia was benefiting incredibly from it, the spike in oil prices after the OPEC crisis of the early 1970s, and that this particular conservative, very fundamentalist, very um, immoderate, very intolerant form of Islam was to some extent impossible possible, <laughs> responsible rather, for the increase in Islamist terrorism, of course, leading to 9-11, and the fact that still today, as of late 2022, the vast majority of terrorists around the world are Islamist terrorists, Islamist extremists. Now, Saudi Islam has not been the only factor that it, I've been saying for decades now that terrorism is complicated. There's not just one or two factors involved, but the Saudi moves to spread their version of Islam haven't helped. One of the countries that benefited from Saudi funding and Saudi uh, institutionalization and education and textbooks, etc., was Indonesia. Now, Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim nation. It is not in the Middle East. They don't speak Arabic there. But Indonesia is is far and beyond the, the greatest number of Muslims in the world, somewhere north of 200 million people who are Muslim. And... When the Saudi funding started coming in the 70s and 80s, part of it went to institutions called Pesantrens. Now, Pesantrens are sort of boarding schools that the country has had for a very, very long time. It goes back well back into into Indonesian history. A paper that I'll reference in the notes is that uh, says the term Pesantren goes back to Indonesia's Hindu Buddhist roots. Pesantren was Perisantri and the place where the wise men were. And these Pesantrens basically provided a lot of the ideological underpinning for social stability. And not all Pesantrens were conservative or extremist in nature, but there were some. Lest we forget, of course, the Bali bombings in 2002, in which more than 200 people were killed. That was an, it made an Indonesia terrorist attack. And I'm pretty sure most or some of the people who were responsible for the attack would have had associations to Pesantrens within Indonesia. Of course, just a few weeks ago, Indonesia decided to pardon, release, set on parole, um, the, one of the lead bombers of the Bali attack. Uh, he said he was sorry, as if that's enough to you know, excuse the death of 200 people. But anyhow, that's another issue. Recently, Indonesia seems to be heading down a more conservative role. And just last week, the Indonesian parliament passed a, a very um, controversial revision of its penal code that does a number of things. One is that, that it, it essentially makes extramarital sex for citizens and visiting foreigners alike illegal, which is going to have uh, have a hell of an impact on Bali. Bali being, of course, a mecca for tourists from around the world, including Canada. And essentially, sex outside marriage is punishable by a year in jail. The But the charges must be based on police reports lodged by their spouse, parents, or children, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, part of the law also says the promotion of contraception 
is illegal. Religious blasphemy is illegal. There is, is a ban on insulting a sitting president and vice president, state institutions, and national ideology. That can get you three years in jail as well. But it goes beyond that. So this whole notion of blasphemy within the criminal code has been increased from one to six articles. And for the first time, it includes an article outlawing leaving a religion or a belief as apostasy. Furthermore, anyone who attempts to persuade a person to be a non-believer in a religion or belief can be prosecuted and jailed. In other words, if you try to convert somebody from Islam to something else or to have them become non-believers, you can be found guilty under Indonesia's penal code. What is this suggesting? Well, it's suggesting a couple of very worrisome things. One is that the conservative portion of Indonesia's Muslims seem to be on the ascendant. This is interesting because I always felt that Indonesia as a country was a very secular country. I guess it is the world's number one Muslim population, but it, you know the, 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 this notion of, of Pancasila, which is sort of the, the foundational philosophy of Indonesia, um, kind of made it a secular society in many ways. And that seems to certainly be something which is disappearing from that particular country. The second thing, of course, is that this intolerant version of Islam, so conservative, but ultra-conservative. I don't care if somebody's conservative. I don't care if they're liberal. It's only when they go to the nth degrees on that spectrum that we see the possibility of uh, extreme views, intolerant views, forcing your views on somebody, and in the worst case scenario, justifying the use of violence to impose your views on others. This is my concern. Now, you know I'm not a slippery slope kind of guy. I don't like that kind of... I, I find that very weak argumentation. But... I do think this bears watching. You've got a nation with 250 or whatever million Muslims. They seem to be becoming more conservative in nature. We have a history of Islamist terrorism in Indonesia. Jama Islamiyah, J.I., was responsible not just for the Bali bombings, but other attacks over the past 20 years. We have the government kowtowing in some ways to this ultra-conservative version of Islam. Are we going to see a return to extremist pasantrans, extremist boarding schools, Islamic boarding schools in Indonesia? Are conservatives going to become emboldened? Will we see attacks on Westerners who do not abide by these new rules about, you know, banning extramarital sex? There's a whole other part concerned within the LGBTQ community that the intolerance towards them is going to increase as well. We're seeing allegations that these communities in the states are being targeted by far-right wankers. Are we going to see targeting by Islamist extremists in Indonesia against them? Certainly Islamic State didn't have any room for LGBTQ. You should throw people off buildings to their deaths if you were gay in nature. You know I'm not a predictor. I don't have a crystal ball. I have no idea what's going to happen five minutes from now. But this is something which I think all of us should keep an eye on because it could end up very, very badly. And not just for Indonesian citizens, whether they're Muslim or Christian or Buddhist or Hindu or whatever kind of thing. Indonesia is a very powerful nation in Southeast Asia. It is very, very close to Australia, for example. I know that the Australians that I used to talk to in the 2000s with their security services were very worried about what was happening in Indonesia. 
because of the proximity to Australia. Most, a lot of the Bali victims were Australian citizens there on vacation. The bottom line is that when conservative voices and ultra-conservative and tolerant voices gain influence and gain power, it rarely ends well for people. So again, I'm not saying this is going to result in, in an increase in acts of terrorism, but this is not a positive development for Indonesia and for the region. Keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens going forward. Anyhow, that's what I think about what's happening in Indonesia. Do you think this is important? Am I conflating conservatism with extremism? Is that a fair comparison or a fair equation to make? Love to hear your feedback and your thoughts. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content, want to get more, go to the website, borealisthreatenedrisk.com, hit the subscribe button. It's free of charge. There's no fee to my blogs and podcasts. You get them all to your inbox. The shorter quick hits, the longer Canadian intelligence say interviews with people from around the world. Love to hear your feedback on this and other, other items. Perhaps some ideas for things you want to hear spoken about, discussed. Love to hear from you. We'll talk again soon. Until then, take care.